ugly money. Dead ugly money. Yeah, say it's that ugly money. This is the Ugly Money Podcast. It's about the process of success. Everything between your first dollar and your first million. That's ugly money. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to the, another episode of the Ugly Money Podcast. I am your host, Ugly Money Nietzsche. This episode being brought to you by Engorge Rejuvenation Team, promoting erections, improving stamina, size, and libido. Go to engorge.com. That's E-N-G-O-R-G.com. All natural male supplement. Yeah, you definitely want to get you some. I got some special guests in the building, and uh, they don't need no introductions, but I'm going to give it to them anyway. To my right, songwriter, hit maker. R&B savant. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, James Wilder is here! Yeah. <laughs> what it do? What it do? That was hard. You know what I'm saying? That's hard, that's hard. And until the adjacent of me, legend, staple, <laughs> pillar in hip-hop, and he got some good weed too. Ladies and gentlemen, Big Kip is here. <laughs> hey man. <laughs> oh, What's up, my gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen? I appreciate on. y'all for making some time for us. For sure. I appreciate y'all making some time for us. Uh, Gip, the last time we saw each other, mm-hmm. you had just launched your Gip Goodies line. Yep. And uh, you know, you 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 had the pre-rolls and everything. And since mm-hmm. since then I have seen you have launched a store and some more things. Tell yeah. me about what's going on. Uh we 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 launched we got we got about forty about forty products right now. Um since we last talked, we got more stores. We're in about nine states. Uh, and we have a whole line of non-alcoholic spirits. Uh, from tequila, bourbon, rum, everything you can get out of the out of the liquor store. And what we did, the special thing we did, we took the alcohol out and just infused it with cannabis. So for all of those that's looking to get off alcohol and would like to drink your blunt and smoke your blunt, Gilt got your a- I got you. <laughs> drink your blunt and smoke your blunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to put the exotic off in your cup. Now you ain't never got to worry about being off dick. You always on the same thing. <laughs> I can definitely, I, I, I'm pretty sure there's some high vibrations there. Yes, oh, it yeah. is. Some high so. energy. <laughs> now, now, James, um, you know, I've done my research, you know, and I like to, I like to do my research. But mm-hmm. for the people that have been sleeping under a rock, let, let, let's go back a little bit. Okay. Uh, who was James Worthy before James Worthy became James Worthy? Man, I'm, I was just a creative from Queens, New York. Um, always been around music. Um, I don't really come from a musical family, but music was always around me um, growing up. And uh, man, I just been had I've had the the great experience of just working with and being around legendary artists and great musicians and great songwriters and creatives um, at an early age. You know, I got into my my industry when I was 16 years old. Wow. But before then, you know, I've had mentors, you know, along the way. So I've been mentored by Houdini and Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown and PM Dawn, you know, artists like that. And um, you pretty, know. pretty, pretty, pretty nice little name drop. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Whitney Houston. I love, I love when my famous partners come in and they just, you know, they just say things lightly. Like mm-hmm. we had. Um, I had Bobby Bobby Vila here last night, and, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Yeah, I used to go to the movies with Beyonce." And I'm like, 
Yeah, that's not regular people things. That's <laughs> <laughs> not regular. So, yeah. <laughs> so you had the opportunity to work with both Whitney and Bobby. Yes, yes. Please give us some insight on that experience. Um, man, uh, just to start off, man, they they both were incredible talents. Um, Bobby still is, you know, he's, he's like Uncle B. And um, I mean, they 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 come from two different worlds, but they both had a common thing was to be entertainers and entertain you at, at the highest level. And I've learned those things from them. So me and B, uh, being uh, best friends with Bobby Jr., which was Bobby Brown's son, you know, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's how I got introduced to the Brown family and the Houston family. And, um, you know, we were just more so like, you know, a, a tight knit group. You know what I mean? So everybody working with each other and, and you know, okay, you, I did this, you did that. And, you know, how could we come together and make it better? Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, you know, uh, growing up with, with Lil Bobby, we were figuring out each other's direction. So, you know, I was helping him create his his sound and his direction and vice versa. You know what I mean? Yes, so we, we really helped each other. And, and that's how the whole dynamic came came together. So with Whitney, it was kind of the same thing. Like, you know, like, hey boy, come to the studio with me. <laughs> yeah. Come see how this, how a record's made. Come on, you know. So that's that's how I began. What what was Whitney Houston's aura? What was she like in person? She like she was like your auntie, yeah. or like your mom. You know, like you know, she she gonna keep you on the narrow straight path. Like you know, if you messing up, hey boy, you messing up. Or you know, she gonna. She gonna teach you the game, but she gonna want you to bump your head a little bit just so you can learn. You know what I mean? So it ain't really nothing handy. It's just like, you know, she gonna tell you what it is and show you how to do it. No, that's love. That's yeah. love. So uh she was the OG before OGs became OGs. No, nah, she definitely. definitely was an OG. Don't get it twisted, like she had some gangster in her life. <laughs> <laughs> For I, sure, I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that house. Oh man, like, but she was just a, a ball of uh, of fun. Yes, you know, like she was just cool. You know. Now, in your list of of, of collaborat- collaborations, you have a lot of uh, you know legendary names, and and some people that are of old, and some people that are new, and some mm-hmm. people that are of both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy. His name's Youngberg. Oh yeah. And he's yeah. changed his name since to Hitmaker. Hitmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was Young Berg? How was Hitmaker as Young Berg? Um, <laughs> I remember I got. In- he seems like an eccentric fellow. <laughs> I mean, from my experiences with him, always been a cool dude, flashy dude, yeah. but a cool dude. Um, I mean, and super talented. Like, I mean, dude wrote all his records, you know, and and wrote for a lot of other people too. So that's how, that's how I got introduced to him, but. How we initially even crossed paths was actually through Twitter. Oh, wow. So this is the early days of Twitter. So I, I remember I was just at a point to where, like, Twitter was popping. And, and this is, you know, before Instagram, of course. So this is when the, the DM and the direct message was just getting popping like that, <laughs> right? So I'm like, look, I'm going to message all the people I want to work with. And at the time, he had... Uh, uh, I think uh, Sexy Cannot going crazy. Yes, he had the business going crazy. So, you know, I was a fan of his music, so I just shoot him a message on on Twitter. And at the time, he was doing his mixtape series uh, called Twitter Music. Mm. 
And um, he ended up using one of my tracks for, for his mixtape. And, um, you know, that's how I started. Wow. That's dope. That's dope. You, know, so you don't have any crazy chain stories about Bird. Nah, man. Because, <laughs> you know, at that point, he... It was it was so crazy with that damn yeah. transformer chain. I mean, everybody had the chain. You know the beautiful thing about Berg's uh, success now, resurgence, is the reinvention, the rebrand. And sometimes, you know, you may you may fall and and and, and you know and get get your knees dirty, but you can always stand back up, brush the dirt off, and keep moving. Like he's yeah. huge now. Yeah, I mean, I think I always tell people, I think he had probably the one of the best rebrands ever he got soldier boy beat for uh, <laughs> biggest comebacks <laughs> i they got want to say that too loud, i got soldier i got boy. him i got him and joe button on the Yo, on the best rebrand no you know you know what's crazy believe it or not joe button was one of my favorite rappers when he was rapping right yeah and given he only had a limited supply of music but i always was a fan of his lyrical ability and he just seemed like he just couldn't get his just due. And I don't know if it was some of, some of those wounds were self-inflicted or not, but, you know, I think it's dope that he's found a lane for himself and his personality to flourish. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, he, the way he flipped that whole thing yeah, yeah, was yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he all found the, a lane, goddamn. All, all, all the shit he was talking, he monetized it, you know? Yeah, the, he did. It might not work in rap, but it works great in podcasts. Because <laughs> right. I was just looking at the podcast charts, and Joe Button is firmly at number one. So uh, he's nah, definitely doing nah, something he, right. He's he doing something firmly? right. Huh? Firmly. Yes, firmly at number one. He is consistently the number one podcast in the world. Wow. It's crazy. Joe Button. Crazy. Okay, yeah, you know what I'm saying, Mr. Paul. And I thought Paul, it would have been like Joe Rogan or somebody. Yeah, like. him and him and him and Joe go back and forth. Yeah, yeah him I've and Joe go back yeah. and forth, but the yeah. Joes are are at the top of the game, at least on the you know on the uh, Spotify and the iTunes uh, podcast charts. Yeah, I know like, he's killing on Spotify. And I'm just sitting yeah. there like, man, you know, life after rap, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's he for real. will not rap for he won't rap. He refuses to rap. Yeah, he retired. He's like, I'm done, done. Yeah, I feel like one day he gonna pop up with a verse though somewhere. I think if it makes sense for him, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? If Drake yeah. wants to do a record with him or yeah. something, <laughs> they gotta be the right person. Yeah, yeah. Hove or something. Yeah. You know, hey, yeah. uh, wanna go ahead and remake this? Pump it up. Can you do the hook right quick? And <laughs> he, might. he might jump in there. Yeah, he might. He might. He you might. know what I'm saying? He but might. speaking of Jay Z, Mr. Gill. <laughs> <laughs> You've been busy, my brother. What's that? You've been busy, and uh, I love it, man. I love the, uh, I love the energy that you. Uh, I've been seeing you on on different platforms and speaking the gospel and speaking the game and mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Um, let's start. Let's start back because last time we talked about Goody Mob. This time I wanna I wanna go into the Dungeon Family. Yeah. And why were they so significant? Why were they so significant? Yes, sir. Because at the end of the day, we really set the platform for Southern hip hop. Like, we understood the basics of what hip hop was about. And being that we were taught by organized noise, it was about doing it the right way. Yes, sir. So it's always been about having fresh ideas uh, and understanding who you are and what you saying. So that's the reason why I feel like the Dungeon family has been so significant. And you know, I, you know, my argument is just this. Uh, everybody got their section of the country. Come on. And this section of the country 
it's nobody bigger than us. Come on. And we just not gonna accept. I don't care what Real magazine talk. they come out in. I don't care what blog site they come out of. We don't accept your list. So mm. that's just what that's just my basic, you know, you know, foundation of why I would speak right now. Because you know, this is the fiftieth year hip hop and this is about music. And the reason why I only spoke was to just bring the attention of the audience back to Gip and Worthy mm. so they can understand what music looks like and what music sound like. No, that's hard. You know, um, we don't respect your list. That's it. That's a bar right there. Yeah. It's um, just Because you know, we have our own kings. That's right. We have our own goats. We have our own sounds. We have our own vibes. We have our own institutions down here. Yeah. And so, uh, if, if you're not from downhill, you can't be talking about you what's going down. Down here, like, you know what I mean? And that's all. It's, it's the, and that's always been Dungeon Family thing. You know what I mean? Since we stepped out that stage in, in, in New York in '95 at the Source, bro, it's been a, it's been us like, oh no, we got to let these folk know what's happening. And, and and it's still today, you know. I just my main thing is just to say, if it's any crew that you know about that's from the south, they got a diamond album where they hand it. Come on. And it, the people that you talking about, if they ain't got no diamond album, I don't understand how we under nobody. South got something to say. That's it. And we've been saying it for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Why Why do you consider CeeLo your first experiment? Um. So Experiment, probably he's like not my first experiment. He's the first artist mm -hmm. that I saw do what he does, and I went back to the dungeon and told him about him. Wow. So that was just me showing up at my homeboy house on the west side and Cujo battling this kid, and this kid stepping back, and instead of rapping, he started singing. I never saw that before. So that's the reason why I ran back to the dungeon. I was like, yo, Reed, yo, yo, Ray, like, it's this kid on the west side. They call him Chickenhead. You know what I mean? Like, he sing. And that's when CeeLo started coming over to the dungeon. And the star is born. Yeah. And history is made. Future came out the dungeon. Future came out the dungeon, yeah. Future was right there with us the whole time, you know, very quiet and, and very intuitive of what was going on. And now that I look back, I'm like, he was he was a, a, a straight A student. He learned what he had to learn to become who he was. You know what I mean? And you know, it takes a lot to stay as I think the thing that future learned from Goody Marvel Outcast success is that you can have success at a certain level and lose focus. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. And I think that him being able to identify that in us and, and our cast, I think it put him on the path to being as great as he is right now. Because he, he, ain't, he hadn't taken a break from what, what was the first thing I heard and he's still doing it. Oh, meathead on it. You man. know what I mean? Like <laughs> they used to call him Meathead. Yeah, <laughs> like that was his name. That was his street name. Meathead. Meathead. So you know, meathead <laughs> and chicken. What, know, was chick, what was he loves? Chicken, chicken head, chicken head, and it was like it was like shouted 
went to St. Louis. And around this time, like I'm I'm messing with Nelly, so I'm hearing that he and he ain't been through St. Louis. So when he went to St. Louis, he came back and he was like, My name Future. And it's been a rap ever since. So he went to St. Louis, came back future. He went left Meathead and came back future. Came back future. Yeah. And it's it's been it's been that ever since. It's been so up since then. That's what I would say to anybody, yeah. man. You know, the Dungeon family still flourishing live and f- in full effect, man. So, you know, yeah. that's the reason why you have a gift and a worthy album right now because it's time for a new expression. So you're an artist, an actor, an activist, whatever you do. Come to the Ugly Money Podcast and tell your story. You can be a special invited guest by texting the number right here. Let's lock in your interview. Let's tell the world what you got going on. Over the past 90 days, we've gotten 30 million views on YouTube, 50 million views on social media sites. It's time for the world to know about you. So make sure you text this number so you can come on the Ugly Money Podcast. And you get to meet China, too. It's that ugly money. Uh... Is it true that you were the, really the first rapper to wear colored stones? Yeah. <laughs> colored stones and platinum in my mouth. Trendsetter. I always have been. It's just I, I I never wanted anything that the next man had on. Hmm. That's why I wore silver in high school. People thought it was silver. From the ninth to 10th grade, it was silver. Then it changed to white gold. You know, then once I got to Harlem, New York, I walked across the street in the 145th Mark, and I said, hey, man. I want a platinum grill. He said, where you from? I said, Atlanta. He said, I have it for you in a couple hours. And I came back and we did cell therapy, the first video. So, well, okay, hold on. Like, we got to revive that. That's some history for you. Yeah, yeah, we got to revive that. (laughs) (laughs) He just dropped one. So, so, I mean, so many people with these quote-unquote platinum grills, especially in Texas and, Mm -hmm. and all these things, you were the first. I was the first person that I saw in the rap business with a platinum grill. And I know this because from where I got it from, if you used to watch an old James Brown movie, James Bond movie, it was a character in the movie called Jaws that had platinum in his mouth. Mm. That's where I got it from. When I seen it as a kid, I was like, I'm going to do that one day. And that was the first thing I did when I got some money. <laughs> you can't buy nothing Paul, else. Paul Wall owe you a check, man. Paul Wall, Johnny Dang. Oh, they owe you a check, but. <laughs> well, he ain't worried about nothing yeah, else. Yeah. No car, no nothing. I want that grill. I want that grill. I want to be Jaws. <laughs> That's all I thought about, man. I was like, man, I want that. And, and you know, like, it really, really. It really made a striking, uh, it made me striking because I remember the first time we met Cash Money, I remember Baby walking on the, on the bus and he said, Gip, water, what that is in your mouth? Hmm. Like, that's that's platinum. <laughs> and next time I seen Baby, them, they had platinum. <laughs> 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 Man, stop playing with Gibby. Paul Wall, you're welcome. <laughs> Courtesy of Atlanta. Uh, Johnny Dang, you're welcome. Yeah. Courtesy of Atlanta. Uh, Mike Jones and everybody that's ever had that platinum in their mouth, hey. uh, you're welcome. Courtesy of hey. the family. Hey. Yes, sir. <laughs> now, for, for the kids that don't know, because you know what this is, 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Who was Tupac to you in your generation and to this culture, and why was he such a big deal? I know, but the uh, kids might. Tupac, Tupac was a. He was the original blueprint of what a superstar was. You got to remember, rap was all about being in the hood and being this and being that, representing the urban lifestyle. Mm. Tupac was the first rapper that took the urban lifestyle and put it up in lights. Because he, him having a background of, of, of acting was never seen before. And him being comfortable in front of a camera yeah. had never been seen before. So that's the reason why Pac had so many famous girlfriends because he was the first rapper that could walk in the room and make everybody look at him. And that's the difference. People, you know, people say that they this and they that, but you got to remember when you are that, you don't have to speak on it. Mm. You don't have to speak on it, man. And that dude was incredible because even with the amount of success that he was having, he still was only about the fight of the black woman and black man. Uh-huh. About us learning who we are and becoming stronger in that. And I think that's the reason why I tell people all the time, you could be the greatest street talker and rapper of all time, but nothing beats the heart. And to have records like Dear Mama, it, 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 the records that it's so Brenda got a baby. It's just like the place that he wrote from was so honest that people don't understand. That's what made hip hop real to the rest of the world. When you can express yourself like that, it becomes like water. Everybody can see it. Everybody can drink it. And with street rap, in certain places of the world, they don't understand that. That's American lingo. That's American culture. Mm-hmm. But Tupac was able to go past those uh, ceilings way before any of us understood where he was going. Now, it seems like you guys uh, had a cool relationship. It was said that you were with him when that infamous video of him hanging out the window with his middle fingers up. Yes. (laughs) It was with us, man. Pac used to stay in Atlanta. He stayed on the east side. What? Over there by Club uh, Atrium. Wow. Shout out to the Ugly Money Music Summit, April hey, 7th man. through the 9th at the atrium. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put that in there. Uh, hey, Mr. Bradley, we get it hey, in. Look. We get it done. We get it done. Look, that's a, that's a segment yeah. right there. Boy, yeah. that's a hell of a segment. Yeah. Pop, pop over there by the Ugly Money Music Summit. <laughs> yeah. That was facts, bro. That's where your brother used to stay over there. Uh, he used to stay over there, man. A lot of, a lot of people used to kind of like, know that Pac was over there and Pac used to, him and his brother used to just walk to the store. <laughs> he used to be, he just to walk to the store. He'd be walking up the street, walking up Glenwood, walking up all over there, like anywhere in that neighborhood. He was, he was, he did it. He never acted like a star. That was what was amazing about him. He never acted like he was bigger than nobody. If he seen a group of folk over there, he would go over there and join them. Wow. So that was the kind of person he was. He never, he never walked with the arrogance of I'm the shit. <laughs> he walked with that, you know what I mean? So that's what made him, to me, the greatest because it was always about teaching people how to be better from coming from nothing. Hmm. So Pac lived on the east side, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shooting birds out the window. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, you well, know what it was? Cause MC Breeze stayed here. Okay. MC, MC Breeze was the nucleus to all that at that time. MC Breeze was the the big rapper on Ichiban Records. Yeah. And Ichiban was a factor during that time. So uh DOC was here, Pac was always here, and um it made for he always took Atlanta as this way I'm gonna come live. Come but I know I gotta go do my LA thing and do my New York thing. But it was a reason why he set his mama right indicator in Stone Mountain. He had a relationship with Left Eye as well. A real good relationship. <laughs> let's, let's expound on that. Real good. Yeah, they were just always. I mean, that was. That's the. That's she's the only one besides us and Goody Mob that was in the room when he first played. Hit him up. It was it was Goody Mob and it was Left Eye and. He, he wanted her opinion, and he wanted my opinion. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let's just see, see, he did it again. He, he just he just had a, a legendary motor. He just skipped past it like it was. Trying okay, to tell you. Okay, hold on. <laughs> just let, let, let's, let's, let's pause for a cause right quick. You and Left Eye were in the room when, Fox, or when Pac first played Hit Em Up. Yep, when it was freshly recorded. In Death Row Studio in L.A. So he came from LA to Atlanta and No, he, he recorded we was in LA. We was on tour. Oh, gotcha. And we was on tour. We was in LA. And uh Pac was recording at uh Death Row Studios. So, you know, Pac called up, like, man, come to the studio, Gibby. So it's a video of us walking in the studio with him. He in the stu- he in the vid- he in the booth with a glass of Hennessy and the cigarettes. And he rapping. And then, you know, so then when he come out. He was like, man, I just had to finish this right quick, but give it, I gotta let you hear something. And I was like, what is it? And he hit the button and it would hit him up. <laughs> what man. is your reaction when you first hear that? Man, my, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> my you gotta look, bro. My mouth was on the floor because I had never heard anybody go at people like this. But just think about it. For 20 years, people thought Pac was lying. Mm. He wasn't lying. They came around now. He put it in the song. Because he was at war. So at the end of the day, you know, I couldn't have put that in the song. Your folk didn't come around here. You know, so at the end of the day, that's what made Hit Him Up so real and so potent at that time. You know what I mean? That, because it was kind of like uh, the only people who knew it was real were the inside. You know, so just think about it now. Now you're seeing... Death Row artists come out and say, yeah, she was around now. <laughs> <laughs> she was around now. Yeah, she came around. She was, she came to check old Pac out. With, with the, <laughs> was over there creeping. And, I was like, and, I, and, and you got to look at it, man, like, come on, man. Look at the man resume, man. It ain't it wasn't nothing but top night. Man, you had Madonna going at you in them years. Them were the 90s. Like, you got to understand. Like, he's sitting at the table with Madonna. So you got to understand that uh, he has something that, that, that a lot of artists just don't have. And uh, that's the reason why, if I would say anybody is the number one rapper ever, is Tupac, because he was a triple threat. He, he set the tone as far as making music faster than anybody else. He set the tone as far as being a movie star. And he set the tone of just having some of the greatest songs ever written by a rap artist. 
Shoot crazy. Wine. I'm here with the broken heel. It's the pineapple flavored vodka. Handcrafted. Ultra premium. Triple distilled. And black owned. Make sure you follow them at Shoot Crazy Wine on Instagram and get yours today. When I drink, I like to drink black owned. Shoot Crazy. Can you recount the time that Pac and Suge confronted Biggie and Diddy with a hundred bloods? It was bloods and cribs. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, it was, it was bloods and cribs. They had, they had, more. Well, they had everybody with them that night. And it was, a, I think it was award. We were giving Source a, awards. Uh, no, Source this was a Soul Train. Okay. So I think we was giving an award to Jagged Edge. And I think we went to the commercial, and then boom, the door bust open at the in the auditorium, and it's pop with sugar and about a hundred <laughs> of everything. <laughs> so numbers. yeah, and it was like um, I think it was, I think Biggie them when we gave the award, Biggie them performed, and then when we went to commercial. That's when he came in the auditorium. So Biggie them was still backstage; mm. they just came off stage. So. When we walked backstage, and once we walked backstage, we were like, what's up, good tomorrow? We turned around, and it's Pop. So if you see the picture, you see them walking up on it, and you see Pop looking down like that. He looking at Big there. He like, there they go, right there. In the picture, if you see the picture, it's a famous picture of standing there. And I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm looking like it. <laughs> I'm like, like, you know I'm, it's about to go yeah, down. I'm, I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm just seeing bloods everywhere. Big shoes. He all out this. Stuff. I'm like, man. It, and, and, and they was as stunned as we was because, like, Big was in a tuxedo. You know, he in slippery shoes, everything. He, he kind of looking like, for real, vote. <laughs> How you doing it? Then you going to do it like this. At the Soul Train Award, vote. Yeah. And it was funny because then he started going at him, and then all of a sudden you see Don Knees come out of nowhere. And when Don Knees came out, he called Shug, and he talked to Shug, and that shit stopped right there. And he gave them time enough to get out of the building, and they turned around and went the other way. That's but cool. it could have been, it could if it wasn't for the OG, man. OG came out and said, not on my plate. Not on my no, soul train, Don Knees. You gonna do it like this? <laughs> Everybody in trouble. So it was like I think everybody involved kind of were like, "Hey, OG, hey, this ain't this ain't the spot." And it, 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 you know, I just wish they could have spoke about it because you gotta understand, like Goody Ma, we was in the streets in them time. We were doing our second album out in LA, so we knew how how much tension was in the street. You know what I mean? And um, you know, man, just the if if. They just had the time to speak, man. But you know, it's always the hecklers yeah. that come around. Everybody when, around. You know what I mean? It's always the hecklers and everybody come around and just talk all out of the pocket and have both individuals really scared. Because it's kind of like, everybody know me. Whoever coming at me, I don't even know them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's the other part that people don't even factor in during that time that it became so much tension that it was like, you ain't trust nobody. That wasn't with you, you know what I mean? So uh, I just really felt like they could have really talked it out. But people not being honest that the media helped spew that shit. 
the, the, the media, the, the the vibes, everything. You help spew it. You know what I mean? You help. It, it, it sold magazines to put East and West versus each other on. You know, it was probably the most magazines they ever sold. So they kept putting fire on the water, which made it where this man here gets himself killed, and this man here, I see this man, I go to the party, I see this man, he's sitting in the corner, his leg messed up, he got a cane, he can't really, big, he ain't really, really walking good, cause wow. his leg really fractured, and he was heavy, so like, to walk it hurt. So it was like, we seen him, and I was just kinda like, it don't feel right in him. And I remember, uh, it was just all four of us, the Goody Mob. We drove over there. We had a little rental. We like, man, we going over here. Everybody tripping like, man, where y'all bodyguards at, man? We ain't got no goddamn bodyguards, man. <laughs> I'm from the Yeah, yeah. I'm from the Yeah, yeah, We walking through. We, we four deep. We walking through there like whatever, whatever. But it was just the looks I was getting. I was just like, you know, I got folk in the game world. So it's kind of like when I'm seeing that and I'm seeing the look on FOI, and I'm just like, bro, they ain't in the right play, pimp. And I remember tapping Cujo, and I was like, hey, man, let's go. And Shotta was like, get, we just got here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he want to hang out. Yeah. He want to hang out. Cujo, <laughs> Cujo was trying to hang out. <laughs> was like, Shotta was like, we just got here. Get what we leave for. Talking about. I was like, man, like, bro, like, we, let's get out of here. So we can get outside. Big already in the truck, him and C's in the truck. C's rolled the window down and say, yo, give it. Who did that Black Ice Beast? I said, Rico Cousin, DJ. Big, like me and Big like that beat. Where y'all going? I said, we going to the Outcast Platinum Party up on Sunset. Shiny, Shanti Doss throwing it. He said, yeah, we coming up there too. Funk Master Flex, he DJing. So, Already, it's an Arista thing. So mm -hmm. we jump, we go in the parking lot, we get in the car, and we shot up the sunset. Soon as we get in the party, it's like halfway through the song, yo, Big just got shot. And wow. we kind of like, huh? Mm. Big just got shot, we just saw Big. Wow. So we go back to the hotel, and we get to the hotel, Buster Rhymes and Spliff, everybody in the, kind of like in the foyer of the hotel, and they like, man, they just shot Big, bro. So then, like Buster, Timo, and uh, they went to the to the hospital, and um, yeah, Mo came back and was like, "Man, he gone, man." Long live Big, man. Um, it was some uh, legendary times, a lot of lot of lot of beautiful times, a lot of lot of tragic times. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's go back to the Source Awards. <laughs> now, Outkast is getting an award at the Source Awards. Mm -hmm. People started to boo them. Yeah. Why? Because everything was new then. Everybody got to understand that that was the first time that all of us had seen each other in the flesh. That was the first time we seen all the death row. That was the first time we seen uh, a lot of rappers that we had never seen before in the flesh. You know what I mean? So I just think that, first of all, y'all got to look that the tone was set for something to go on when Death Row started it with what they started it with. Mm -hmm. They set the tone, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> and that was when Suge Knight said what he said. But not him. even that. I'm oh. saying the beginning of the show, you start, it was the most magnificent rap 
beginning of a show I ever seen. Like yeah. them cages, man, them death row coming out of there, then then rage coming out of there. Man, that was so exciting then, yeah. bro. It was like, Jesus, what is this? <laughs> and then you see Quick come out with the with the red rag and he talking right to MCA and MCA sitting right here. Wow. He's sitting right behind us. So understand when 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 he rapping, he rapping right at us. And we like, yo, okay, all right. Oh, MC8, okay. Eight, eight, the G ain't there, the G ain't in you. Oh, okay. So you gotta understand that you got internal rap beef going on. Mm-hmm. You got Death Row and 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 Ruthless. They they got beef. What's Death Row against the world? Yeah. <laughs> Death Row yeah, has beef with everybody. Yeah, yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah, everybody. Yeah. It was the ops. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like and, and it was like um at the same time that night we got to see that Wu Tang was also outside in the city. You know, Staten Island wasn't, you know, always accepted like that in New York. It was like, yeah, y'all are part of New York, but y'all crossed the water. You know what I mean? So even they was up in there 100 deep, like, man, holler at us too, you know, the woo up in here. Because the first night we performed in New York, the first night Outkast performed in New York, Wu-Tang performed in New York. First, we was performing Players Ball. They was around the corner in another venue doing Protect Your Neck the first time in New- wow. in the city. So just imagine after that show, we all oh, we sell it. We like outcast first album out. We have we go down to uh to like um the street corner, you know, we went to the bodega. We listen to 69 boys, so we run up in there and get some boom for them. We all out there. We out there. We all out there. Yeah. Yeah, we all got we got bottles out there. We boom for them. We on the corner, we bodega. And out of nowhere, Method Man walk up. And we're like, man, where y'all from? We from Atlanta. I'm Method Man. I'm from Wham Wham. And we got a picture that we all took together. It was before like, I'm from Charlotte. And it, yeah. it, we all felt very much on the same team that night yeah. because we understood that uh, it was going to be a little minute before the city understood who we were. Yeah, And that was on both crews because they, they came off and they was kind of banned in New York, flexed them, had the thing against Wu and RZA. So they was really blackballed in New York too. So that's why you got the antics you got out of Dirty before he left. You know what I mean? That's that's because they felt they felt like they slighted. wasn't getting respected and slighted at the same time. So when, that's just hip hop. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So <laughs> yeah. sometimes you gotta you gotta earn your keep. When uh when Andre when Three Stacks comes on that stage and says the South got something to say, mm-hmm. what do you think he meant by that? This ain't the last time you're gonna see us. Come on. And it really pissed Dre off. It pissed Dre off, man. Like, Dre don't get, he don't really get out his feeling like that. You know what I mean? But that night, it really made him come back home. And I remember, just think about it. After that album, that's when you start seeing his changes. Mm. Because because now, I want to be bigger than hip hop. Mm. You know what I mean? So and all this time, we thought it was Erica Badu. <laughs> well, no, 
Nah, I wouldn't. We all thought it was Erica Badu. Every time Erica get with somebody, boy, they get it changing. <laughs> you see Common before Erica Badu and after Erica Badu, different Common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, uh, that's a, uh, he just wanted to be some, you know, he wanted to be close like Dre. He wanted to be a little something close like that. You know, he thought that might turn on and he could get, get like that, but it, that ain't even what she, she don't even be rocking like that for real. That be on you. And you know, like, she ain't really have that much to do with what Dre was doing. That's pretty much Gilt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Gilt was the first that went into the fabric store and started making my outfits. And he said, Gippy, what you doing, big bro? I said, I'm doing it like this. How I'm going to go on stage and how I'm going to go to Foot Locker, then go on stage. And them folk that I listen to, they say, man, you ain't a star unless the people in the, in the audience ain't got what you got on. That's how I would talk, you know? You got to look George Clinton set over in the dungeon with us, and George Clinton ain't never put on no sweatsuit. <laughs> wow. So, so, so you got to look how we were taught, you know what I mean? We were taught that, hey, man, like, you see me coming out that spaceship, you see how that outfit look, you see, hey, man, that's that's star stuff. That's, that's 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 stage. That's that's being an entertainer. To him, just going on stage right out of the footlock, he like, man, what the hell is that? It's normal, right? <laughs> no, like, sure. like, he just looked. in costume. Yeah, yeah he's like, no, he like, what the hell is that? You know what I mean? So th that's the reason why Dungeon Family has always been so eccentric because we had OGs really pushing us to do that. Mm -hmm. That's hard. Now, it was always said that uh, Pac was the uh, uh, antagonizer of, of the Biggie and Pac beef. Or whatever, but it was. But I heard recently that you and Pac ran up on Big and Faith after he performed. Well, you know what it is is that it wasn't no tension when they really got in front of each other. Okay, it was really the the hecklers and everybody around them. Really, you getting to learn that it really wasn't Pac and Big. It was really puffing wow. and and and, and Shug. Y'all got to remember that this was the time of. The producers' hours. This was the producers' hours. This was when the, all the record labels depended on the producers to get the artists together, get the music together, and present them back to the label. Mm. And I just think that at that time, you had such. Uh, I don't even think the industry was 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 thinking that it was going to be so many stars at one time. You know what I mean? I just don't think the industry was equipped for what happened. You know, I uh, I think. Shug them doing the astronomical numbers they did at that time. Then Puff coming out, changing, taking the party scene and then putting music to it. Now we got $100 parties. You know what I mean? I I never heard of $100 to get in the party to. It was a Puff party. Mm. So you, you got to look it's, at I think it's more than that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just, just, just so much stuff was changing. We were trying to elevate the culture. And that's the reason why... At the same time, even with us, it was about us elevating, coming out of being looked at as southern rappers and shaky booty rappers. Or, mm. uh, you know, y'all y'all do y'all do club music, shaky booty music, and that was the that was the thing that we were kind of like fighting against uh, yeah. because. I love I love Splat Pack. You know what I mean? Yes, I love all that. You know, I love all that. You know, I'm I'm down in Daytona on the beach, man, with the cars. So the southern the, the strip club culture, I just understood it. But you you gotta understand that during that time it was kinda like that was new to the culture. But we knew that it was a, also a vice. Mm. That we knew that once people got involved and they 
once you understand the strip culture, then you understand Atlanta. You know what I mean? So it's like it is what it is, but I tell people all the time, we are the last of what the 90s look like mm. because we are the only city that can still push a record, break a, break a new star, and the reason why is because of our strip club culture. As long as kids can keep going in the strip club and giving a stripper a song nobody ever heard and she come on the stage and dance to it, if she get money, that's a hit. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so, she so. gonna break the record for you. <laughs> now play that, play that new Gip and uh, James Worthy song. Play that right quick. Play it three times in a row. They spin it in that one. <laughs> oh, she got a little rhythm. Yeah, you, right. you Gucci. <laughs> now, um, question. Uh, why do you feel that Pac's All Eyes On Me was better than any other Jay-Z album? Because you can put a double album on and ain't going to skip one song. I had it. Come on, bro. That was one of the first double albums, too. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Bro, when you got all the way down to checkout time, you were like, man, this nigga hit crazy, man. This nigga, <laughs> this nigga hit a raw shot. I'm talking about every beat bumping. Every beat and every everybody he had on there, it was just like they were perfect. Everybody. It's like he has no album that ain't perfect. Me Against the World was crazy, bro. Like, that's when, bro, we used to be at, at White Waters in the parking lot with our shirts off listening to that thing, man. Before we even go up in there, man, that thing was crazy, man. And only you had to be here to see it. That's why I'm just like, I look at a lot of people. I only seen, no, it's only been a few instances in hip-hop that had the impact he had. And that's probably Eminem, 50 Cent had that kind of impact. You know what I mean? It's, it's not too many people that had that kind of impact. No fact. You know, so that's mm-hmm. all. And, and and that's why I just leave it like, hey, bro, if you want gold or platinum in 95, 96, 97, then I understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I understand. But understand that we was already gone. Come on. Come on, man. For, 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 for the Newton folk y'all talking to me about. So I'm not mad at no man about what he been able to achieve over the time that another man been gone. But I'm saying, you, 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 uh, if you wasn't even in the game then, so you couldn't see it. Exactly. So that's the reason why I look at what they may think is the best now is only because they wasn't there in the beginning. No. Yo, have you got your gorge yet? All-natural male supplement, improving size, boost libido, and stamina. And no, I'm not paying attention to her because I got that engorged. So if you really want to handle your business the way you got to handle your business, go to engorged.com today to get yours. Do that thing again, China Red. Yeah, it's an engorged thing. Facts. You know, you guys uh, broke the door down. You know, barrier breakers for the South and the Southern Sound. Um, and so I, I, I totally understand when you say we don't respect your list, right? We can't because we weren't. And we've had it yeah, ever since. Yeah. Let's just keep it spade a spade. Yeah. And we, it's like, how do you, I mean, my whole. So when Jay, so when, they, when they said Jay is on the number one on the list or whatever. He's um, number one in business. Okay. I can give yeah, him that's the that. only reason. I can yeah. give him number. That's the reason why they put him there. And I understand that. And I respect that. And I respect. And I can tell you why. Because he is the first to 
be a top rapper, go from that, be a label owner, go from that, find artists that broke ceilings in this music game, and to be able to marry a pop superstar <laughs> and keep that relationship together in the midst of all of this shit going on. Hey, man, you... <laughs> You're the greatest. Yeah. Because I know what it is to be in a relationship and be in the game and your girl in the game. That's tough. So it's a real tough position. So, no, like, people just took my uh, my first comments as aggression toward him. Hmm. And it's not aggression toward him. It's just aggression toward whenever I hear that, the emotion of 95, 96 come up. And then I'd be like, oh, no, buddy. Don't nobody put us on the no list. And since I'm here and, and, and I'm one of the ones from down here that fought this battle, I don't care what your papers say. <laughs> there it is. You know man. what I mean? That's yeah. all. And and then I, I can say this too. I wouldn't have spoke like that if I didn't have music. If I didn't know what me and James had created at the end of last year and what we've been working on together for about a year or two now, I only wanted to draw the attention of the industry to show them what artists look like and what real music sound like. Because right now the industry to me is just fabricated. That's why none of these songs are really sticking. That's why none of the artists are really, the audience is really loving them like that. You know why? Because damn near half their album, the label gave them the songs. <laughs> right, bro. So, so <laughs> you know no, what I mean? So, you're right, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Rappers is just goddamn yeah. actors right now. Yeah, you yeah. know, James. Like, so how how did you and Gip create this uh, this collaboration? How did y'all end up end up meeting and linking and locking in? Um, well, it started from a session that I had with Corrupt one okay. night, and me and me and Corrupt were working on different records, you know, just catalog of stuff. And uh, one of the songs we were working on was called "Top of the World," which is on Gibbon Worthy now, and. We were just finishing up the hook in Corrupt's first verse. And once we did that, he called me to the side and, and said, hey, what do you think about putting Gip on this record? Hmm. Now, I hadn't met Gip yet. Um, we had never crossed paths yet. But I was always a fan. You know, I was a big Goody Mob fan. So I said, well, Rupp, I would love to see what he sound like on it because I hadn't really heard him rap on a production like that. Hmm. And even the premise of the song was different. Mm -hmm. So it, it intrigued me. So Corrupt called him and, and get pulled up 30 minutes later and, and sat on my couch yeah. and wrote his verse right on the spot. Come so on. it was all three of us on the record. So after we did that, Corrupt called us a couple of days later saying, hey, I'm going back to the West because it's too too cold out here. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. Well, like that West, boy. Well, <laughs> like that West cold. He had now. to go back to the West. <laughs> so I'm like, damn, well, I mean, you know, what are we going to do with this record? So we kind of sat on it for a little while, but in the midst of that, me and Gibb just started working on other records. So we ended up doing another record called Night Drive, me, him, and, and John Flutus, and then he uh, was on my single called TikTok, uh, which we got nominated for a Grammy for that yes, record. Sir. So, you know, we just started working on stuff and, and Gip and Worthy kind of came after that just in a sense of we just wanted to have a body of work for people to hear, not only from, from both of us, but just come at the industry different. Like the sound, the writing, the 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 message of it, everything. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because 
you know, like you said, you got labels out here just giving people records, and, yeah. and yeah. everything is so manufactured. Like Make me and him were in the studio cut. creating this music. Yes, you sir. know, when no files back and forth, and you know, well, I got to meet you out here, and this and that. Like, mm. nah, he pulled up to my studio, and and we recorded these records on the spot, organically, and I think that's why the project is being. So well received because I think people are feeling that energy. It's organic. Yes, you know definitely what I'm organic. And, that, and that's and you know real always feel better than fake. You know, yeah. Fake diamonds shine for a little bit. For a little bit. For a little bit. Yeah, but you know, if, if, you if, know if, oh, if, after after a while, it's gonna get a little rust. Exactly. <laughs> with the with the real ones stand the test of time. You know, yes, sir. you said you said something uh, earlier. We're talking about uh, you were nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. Now every year at the Grammys, or at least this year, there was a lot of uh, uproar mm-hmm. about certain people, individuals winning, and certain individuals getting left off, and things. What is your take and your thoughts of the Grammy voting process? I mean, to be honest with you, the Grammys ain't made for us. The board is nothing but old white folks that don't even listen to music like that. Mm. To be honest with you, like, I mean, it's the reason why y'all see who whoever wins is is like almost a cringe to a lot of people because you ain't never heard of them. You don't understand why they won. I'm trying to tell you. You like, you know what I mean? So it's it's just like I I stopped caring about that. A long time ago, because I understood that that's not that is not our circle. That is that is not what really defines our music. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. It's just it's just all it is is just an accolade for the industry, but it ain't really an accolade for the people. Ooh, you know what I mean? That's a bar. So that's a bar right there, <laughs> sir. That's, That's a what bar, it is. sir. Hey, when you write, you write. <laughs> That's just what it is. That's you know what I mean? So, like, industry, my whole problem with a lot of things is we got to stop talking about saying that we going to create our own and we still don't do shit about it. Amen, you know what brother. I mean? Like, Amen, like, stop saying that we need to create our own platforms and our own award ceremonies and all that and we still don't do it. People just get so caught up in trying to be likable and trying to be the most popular and trying to be accepted by the people that really don't give a fuck about you. Mm-mm-mm. Well, there it is. There it is. Because I, 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 just, I just remember going on Instagram after this last Grammys and, yeah, folks was just hot. Like, how in the world? And da, 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 da. I'm like, well, maybe we should take our ball and go home. Well, you know, maybe we should just stop caring about that. There it is. I mean, music was so much greater when we didn't care about that. Hmm. Yeah. All we want to do is go to Soul Train. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> For real. That was it, boy. It was two that things. Was like, real, it was two things. Soul Train yeah. and 106 Apart. Yeah, Ooh, boy, yeah. I'm trying like, to tell you. That's it. it. it, it it's, it's like, well, we got to do Soul Train, man. I I thought to me and where we from, I, that was my Grammy. Like, that's that's. That's, <laughs> that's where everybody I saw that I looked up to was on Soul Train, Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like, if anything, if an artist, if if what you needed to know if you was even considered to be great, you had to grace that, that stage at Soul Train. And um, to be able to do it, man, and, and at that time, it was uh, it just gave us so much confidence that we, we really didn't care about awards. 
like I really never really cared about awards. Yeah. It's because we always knew the type of music we was we were doing, so it always I always understood it from this that fact. Like, hey man, they ain't never give Public Enemy no Grammy. I ain't never give the people that I looked up to at the time no Grammy. So I always knew that it was a difference between Chuck D and Will Smith. Come on. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the difference between Chuck D and Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gip, have you ever had anything happen similar than uh, what happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock of somebody trying to approach the stage while you was on there and uh, – Try to assault you. You know, it's kind of hard when you got, you know, you know, people got to understand, Goody Ma was the cleanup crew. <laughs> like, Sweep them up! Like, like you, you have no instances where you heard Outkast been touched. Never. Ever. Never. Why you think? <laughs> I mean, no, bro. Like, bro. We, I mean, BMF seen us do a hundred. Everything about BMF they seen from us. We was the first one to hit club a hundred deep. We was the first dudes in Atlanta that moved with all sides of the city. We got East Side, West Side, South Side, everybody in the Dungeon Family. Mm. So we were the first ones that had the actual bad boy organized noise weekends. You know, so. Meach them used to be at Recal standing on the fence when they were just four deep. They looked at how we kicked it, who we kicked it with. And that's what made it easier for them to move around the city because they never had a problem with us. And we never had a problem with them. But they understood that we was a force to not be played with. You know, (laughs) (laughs) they they knew we wasn't to be played with in no way. And, 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 you know, history has has served that because of, I heard that you once, you know, Suge Knight is this notorious figure that 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 you know is, is etched in hip hop as, as as the boogeyman. Yeah, and uh, you've had you know several run-ins and interactions with them or whatever. Yeah, was it true that you told Suge Knight if you slap me, I'm a popper? Well, what it was was <laughs> what it, I'm gonna tell you what it was. Yes, it was sir. a situation where when we first got. Back to L.A. and CeeLo started doing The Voice. Oh, okay. You know, started getting them phone calls, like, let me get involved with your business. You know what I mean? And, you know, he a Taurus and I'm a Taurus. All right. So, you know. Shout out to my brother such and such. He a Taurus, too. I, I'm, I'm with all the business. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm with it. You know, you want to get out, let get out. You know what I mean? And, and and my thing is this, man. We loyal, man. We loyal. We ain't gonna let no nothing happen to nobody that around us. And you know, when I got the call, I felt like, okay, you know, we've been in the game twenty some years. Ain't no starting nobody. Come on. You know what I mean? Ain't nobody from Atlanta get us. We don't do that here. I've, it's always been cases in New York, L.A. where people get extorted. You know, either by their gang or either by, you know. They city in New York, but we ain't never allowed that in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Thanks. So that was why my thing was we not doing that now. So yeah, we've had run in, but me and me and big fella, he we we just understand each other. He just he used to laugh at me sometimes, like we'd be in Miami, <laughs> he'd be laughing and stuff. Like 
He used to have a little crush on, on one of my girls and stuff like Tamla Jones at the time. He was like, I like your girl, folks. <laughs> I used to have your girl got that picture up on my wall. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he was just a gangster like that. But yeah. see, he just knew that at the end of the day, ain't going to be too much fighting with me. Come on. You know what I mean? It ain't going to be that. Because if Because if, it, if it, it, we grown men and... Yeah, that, that kind of behavior is accepted on your side of the map. But on my side, it's like, I, it's going to be retaliation for anybody trying to take something from us. And that's the reason why I feel like still, like, Good and Marvel Outcasts, we ain't never been approached by that kind of, and there's a lot of artists out here that's been approached and put in them situations. You know what I mean? So, you know, I just was not, with nobody approaching us and feeling like they're gonna force us to get into our business at that time. Mm -hmm. That's it. No, that make, that that you just standing standing your ground. Yeah, and, that's you know. it. And man, man, and no, and me and me and big fella cool. Like man, that be red, man. Be red. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That shit that don't work on with some office hours <laughs> from nine to five. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, it's all good. You know what I mean? Do you think? Back then, because you hear these stories, right? Mm -hmm. You hear these stories, and you know we don't have, we didn't have social media back then. Nobody, everybody didn't have a, a, a phone with a camera on it back then. So you kind of had to walk around. It was more know. dangerous back then, because it wasn't no cameras. You gotta remember, man. Like we used to be on tour with UGK, Eight Ball, MJG, out. off in the backwoods in Chattahoo and Chattanooga, Mississippi. You gotta remember doing them years. We used to show up. It'd be a drug dealer. It'd be a stage set up at a nigga house. Mm. And we'd be performing for the for the town drug dealer. You know what I mean? Like that's what they don't understand that rap itself was really promoted by the drug scene, especially in them early years. It, you had artists that went to Jack the Rapper, but Jack the Rapper to a to an artist back then, if you weren't from New York or L.A. at that time, all the Atlanta acts was really kind of new. And really, that was the first time that I seen that tension could really go there. And it's always been tension between South and the West and West and South and the North. But it's always been kept kind of off out of newspapers. But bro, like, man, look, bro, like, Lou Skywalker them tore that, tore that hotel up downtown, man. The Continental down on the one way. Boy, that's where the first Jack the Rapper was. And that's when, it, you know, it was... Uncle Luke them against the uh, death row. And wow. that's when Uncle Luke, man, he rolled around Atlanta to all the projects and got all the projects and brought folks up from Miami. And that's when they, they was in trouble. They they was in trouble. They had to deal with Georgia boys and Florida boys. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't nice out there, man. You And see, a lot of that stuff, yeah. we ain't really talk about then because everybody was trying to, trying to keep their little situations right. You know what I mean? Everybody was trying to... You know, that's when it was all on the producer like Reek, man. L.A. call, call Reek, man. What they doing, man? You know, they messing up the money, you know. Like one time, I mean, we got into it at the warehouse, man. Next thing I know, man, they jumped on Chris Tucker, brother. What? You know what I mean? Because it was just like, you got to remember that we were from over there in Lakewood, E. Point. So us coming downtown was like really going into another city because we ain't mess with downtown. That's when Atlanta <laughs> dude didn't mess with downtown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody stayed on their side. East side stayed on the east side. <laughs> and, and, and the south side stayed on Old National. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, <laughs> and then nobody do nothing but stay in the hood. So yeah. 
we started going downtown until I era started. You know what I mean? So that's when uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, we met a lot of the, the, the superstars before us. And a lot of times, you know, we were considered the hood. We were the hood. Yeah. We were the we we were the little babies. We were the, we was we was everything that you wanted to see from that that county road, you know. So a lot of uh, Suge Knight might have been the boogeyman on the West Coast. He was never the boogeyman. He was never the boogeyman mm-hmm. here. Nah, man. He came here. He came here and slapped a couple people one time. I got called. <laughs> he, should, he, should, <laughs> he came here. He, he came here and slapped a couple people. You know about some money, but they owed him the money, and he got the money. You know what I mean? Cause that was my suggestion. Like, hey man, you old big fella, the money, pay the money. You know what I mean? He ca- he just came in the middle of the week trying to collect. You know, yeah, he, call, he called everybody off guard. They were like, hey man, sure, ride around town looking for folk, man. I'm like, what happened, man? Folk owe money, man. And then when I found out what it was, it was like, oh, okay. Y'all gonna pay him the money, so we ain't got him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's 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 a lot of times, bro. Like they can say whatever they want to, man. But his kind of character was always needed because the mother folk just gonna look at you, laugh at you, and rob you, and dare you to touch him. You know what I mean? Mm. And you know, I just think that the kind of money that they were generating, if he wasn't like that, the other folk would have just took it. You know what I mean? So. You know, the fastest way to get the respect is put your hands on somebody. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a quick way to get something. It don't always go the way I you mean, want it to go. I'm just saying, yeah. back back then, yeah. wasn't no cameras, wasn't no camera phones. So you know, you heard put, about put them in you, the trunk. You heard about the slap next month. Like the slap been gone down, yeah. but it's like you don't hear about it till the next source comes out. He came down at Jermaine Dupree birthday party one time, trying to trying to turn. He up. tried. Yeah, I would help. I was there too. <laughs> I was there too. It, it was in it was in Los Angeles. He came trying to trying to trying to get them push up on Jermaine and we had to go outside and it was uh me and I, that was the that was one of the that was the second night that I had seen Big U out cuz he was with Shug. Wow. And I was I went to Big U coming home party. So that's when I realized the dynamics of LA. You know what I mean? Like, Bloods and Crips do work together, especially when it's about getting some money from somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Turn out the money. So, you know, yeah, man, but it's it, it's the culture. Yeah. It's what you do. It's how you how you carry yourself. And me, I ain't never had them kind of problems. I go in Bloods, the, the, the Crips. I know all of them, you know what I mean? But it's just about the respect of yeah. it all. But I just want to say at this point of where we are in the game right now, we have to take all of that culture out of music Talk about it. because it's killing music. We have to separate the streets from the music and the OGs have to denounce that behavior or we killing the future for the youth. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of, we lose a lot of people every year. Um, you know, of course now we got a front row seat to all of it with social media and things of that nature. So, um, you know, and it's just, I mean, Take off, I mean, you know, young dog. Come on, like you know, we, you know the list goes PNB on. PNB Rock, yeah, like like just good and that kid. That was my partner. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to PNB. And, and 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 to see a lot of these people literally just trying to live their life, literally just you know, Dolph was buying cookies, you know, take off 
probably didn't even want to be at the party. And Bruh, he P- looked like he was, was, was eating chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, the whole time he looking like, man, can we get old this shit? And it's like, it's like, it's just so crazy that, uh, you know, people don't understand that what, what comes with death is it'll never be the same. Mm. And I say this, that the only reason why I feel like my crew has not been touched by death is because of the music we made. And then I look at everybody who's so successful and got all the money in the world, look how much death around them. Mm-hmm. It's a big difference. But you gotta learn how to stay out the way too. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you can have all the success in the world, but you out here in the way and, 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 and getting involved in things that you know don't mean you no good that energy gonna attract to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nah, you, you get what you put out there, man. You know, yeah. the universe is real. And if you putting out negativity, and you putting out violence, you putting out gang, 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 <laughs> they gonna gang, 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 gang you back. Yeah, yeah, they gonna, yeah. Like said, they gonna gang your ass back. I, I recently had an artist, Big Gabo, on my show, and, he, and he, 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 he said the same thing. He was like, the first records I was coming out with was straight gangster. He was like, man, I got tired of got, man, having a strap up after every show. Yeah. He's like, man, I had to switch it up. You know what I mean? It's just like, do you want a, do you want a room full of killers? Or do you want a room full of people that just really want to hear some good music? Right. Hey, folks. Yeah. Hey, because, hey, bro. Uh, hey, Triple Six Mafia, boy, they were about the kings of that shit back then, bro. Won't they? Like, boy, they were the king, but they te- tear the club up, all that. I'm talking about, bro, like, uh, they would, man, they really was, uh, they made some music that really brought out some of the most gangstiest folks of all time. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and it's like, it was like, they, they was literally like hype men. You're like, it, was, it was like, it was, you know how fitness instructors be like, left, right. They literally tell you, shoot, kill, punch. <laughs> it's like an instruction manual on Man, how to fight. Kill a motherfucker. <laughs> kill a motherfucker. <laughs> Kill him up. <laughs> you know? I bet you won't. Hey, man. I bet you won't. Shoot him. Shoot him, motherfucker. Shoot. My nigga Paul Whoa. was sad. <laughs> oh, it was so funny because the other day, yeah. Paul, Paul, he went on and he said, Gib, I'm sorry that I brought so much death and destruction to the game. You know, it was just Memphis, baby. <laughs> I, was like, I, I was like, you know what, Paul? It's nothing wrong with what y'all did because y'all were the first to do it and yes. it was pure. <laughs> when it's when you the first to do it and it's pure, I can't never knock that. It's everybody that try and copy it and wind up somewhere else. Because look, even though they been who they they are, look at what they turned into. Wow, Oscar winners. Mm. So you can you you can you can redirect that energy if you're smart enough and if you make it through it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's the, that's, that's real. That's yep. real. They um. <laughs> Man, the stories, man, the stories, the jokes, man. <laughs> now, there, there, there was, there's a couple other boogeymen's that are, are quote unquote boogeymen's that you have uh, ran across, and uh, and actually, he's he's, he's from uh, your area, Mr. Okay. Mr. Worthy, Jimmy Henchman. Yeah, I talked to him. I talked to him not too long ago. What's up? What is Jimmy Henchman like? Cause he seems mm. like he is just this notorious figure in hip hop. Um, mm. Jimmy. Jimmy is a a product of New York. Jimmy is a product of New York, and Jimmy is a product of another world. Mm. You know, 
um, very much passionate about people he messed with and very much passionate about how you get his money. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, OG just cut from another cloth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like you have L.A. Reid, then you got Gene Griffin. You know what I mean? Facts. So it's like, you know, the culture that he was raised in is a is is a culture that we celebrated in hip hop. So I look at him as just being one of the people that he invested in this music business. He the one helped Salt and Pepper come back. Yeah. And he helped another one of my OGs, uh, Barry Hankerson. Mm-hmm. He worked for Barry Hankerson, and that's who very much had me and Jimmy together a lot in Noonan, Georgia. So Noonan, Poor yeah, God. Barry Hankerson had a, a ranch out in Noonan where he kept his 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 uh million dollar horses at them half a million dollars uh, Siberian horses. Yeah, wow. yeah, and like Cat used, to, Cat Williams just stay in his house. Oh wow! So. Yeah, Barry. Barry was the person that really was like, man, Jimmy a good dude, man. I know a lot of people don't understand him because they ain't where we from. And Barry Hankerson from New York. Mm. So to me, I have always understood the G mentality and the street mentality. And it's just like any other, it's, it's like anything else. Don't play with me, I won't play with you. Yeah. But if you play in my circle, know the rules. No, the rule, because in the morning I could be a nice, I could be nice, but once the sun come down, man, I could turn into a shark. You pick which version you want. You know what I mean? So it's it's about what type of business you do with him. You know what I mean? Because it's been some instances where he didn't call me. It was like, yo, Gip, somebody owe me some money. Okay, and I'm going to get it done. Hmm. You know what I mean? I might have to go and tell him, hey, folks, he ain't the one you want to play with. If you owe him something, give it back. You know what I mean? And I I, I respect him from that part, you know what I mean, from that place. Because he, he, he always understood me. Amen. You know? Uh, Suge didn't seem like he, he understood boundaries of people that much. Because him and Jimmy had to run in as well. Yeah. I mean, who wasn't because, but, see, but, see, but I'm but I'm telling you that was that was the time that everybody was just trying to get their respect. Amen. You know what I mean? Everybody was just trying to get their respect for what was given to them uh, in the game, and we always know that at the end of the day, they were still just pawns in the big game. <laughs> because still, just look at that time. Look how much music can came out. And you still can only name what? Jay Prince, Suge Knight, yeah. Puffy, now Jay-Z. Jay-Z wasn't even looked at like that. Yeah, so so you got to understand that even him, he's come up into that place. But still, it's still only a few at the end of the day with all this music that's been made for the last 20 years. <laughs> so you could just understand that even when that happened, it scared the higher ups. Like, oh, shit, we didn't know they were going to do this. Because remember now, Master P came and 
screwed the game, killed the game, and had more money than everybody. It <laughs> wasn't in nobody's system. Yeah. So even he became a monster in the eyes of the, the puppets, the puppeteers. Like, oh, okay, some little dude down out of Baton Rouge, New Orleans, and figured out how to get man, go do him a movie and go to all the mom and pops, whatever record is being uh, bought, whatever. We're going to scan uh, uh, No Limit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you got to look at all the games and all the things that P brought to the game and then at the same time looking at it, they've always kept his success at a minimum. You know, he was supposed to be bigger than everybody for, for sure. For sure. You know what I mean? But all I want people to do is recognize in this game of hip-hop it seems like if you're from a certain part of the country, they keep your light dim. Ooh. And it, it don't matter if you sell two, 200 million records, you still right here. And then somebody up here that might not write, produce, or nothing, he way up here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of like it's kind of like you could just see the biasness in all of it. You know what I mean? At this point. So that's the reason why a long time ago I was like, man, I ain't stunning. I ain't even stunned about no awards. I'm just gonna tell you how I feel every time yeah. I get on the mic. And everybody, everybody got the, you know, they they got the, they got their own opinion. You know, what I'm saying your opinion is your opinion, and you should be able to voice that. That and that's all. But when you looking around and you looking like people are like, ooh, you can't say that, hey, amen. The new folk can't say that. <laughs> no, you got some backing with you. Yeah, like, I was like, there. Yeah, right, right. It's, like, it's a little right. different. Like I you was can't in the beat bar, experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the reason why I'm kind of like. Gentlemen, this episode is being brought to you by Shoe Crazy Wine. You see what she's doing with the bottle? <laughs> Make sure you follow them on Instagram at Shoe Crazy Wine, official sponsor of the Ugly Buddy Podcast, Triple Distilled. It's black owned. I don't drink Hennessy. I drink Shoe Crazy. I don't drink any of those other plate things. I drink Shoe Crazy. Do that thing with the bottle again. <laughs> official sponsor of the Ugly Money Podcast. You know, we just got off a call of doing a call and some of the DJs were like, yo, Gil, keep doing them podcasts, bro. Like, keep talking, bro, because that's how the young folk connect now. For sure. For sure. You know, and I, I didn't know, you know, we connected with music. But now the young folk connect with podcasts. So, you know, just by him telling me that, I'm knowing that these young folk getting to know me better. They getting to know James better. And they getting to have a reason why they want to listen to your music. Exactly. So, a lot, a lot of these generation now. They want to know the story behind the music. Yeah. The story behind the music and the story behind the person makes the people motivated to go check out the music. Yeah. So a lot of times when the artists don't have a story, you know, you just put the music out there. And minus TikTok, you know, it might it might not hit because there is no driving force or no narrative to make it say, hey, let me check out that, you know, that Gippin' James Worthy. You know right. what I mean? And right. so, you know, platforms like these ones or whatever, they, they have been effective as, yes. as far as yeah. breaking records. But uh, yeah. speaking of opinions, <laughs> mm -hmm. do you believe that Andre 3000 is a better rapper than Jay-Z? I just believe that Andre 3000 writes from another vein. He don't write from the street vein. He never has. So for me to say this, hey, bro, that man been platinum since he's 18 years old. You had to work up to that. <laughs> when you're right, you're right. You can check the stats. 
It's like is he he just been and 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 Outkast is the only group that sold platinum more every time they drop. First one platinum, second one double platinum, two point five, next one three point five, next one five, next and the last album they dropped did eleven million. <sighs> so, you know, I mean, you know, if you and then I get pissed off because you wanna always say Andre three thousand. Hey man, big boy held it down. Yes, sir. Big yes. boy, you can't say him and not him. Them records are platinum because both of them were jamming. And when you look at the first album, hey man, it was big. Big was snapping. And then when that second album came, big came with the me and you. Mm. Yo, you just, mm -hmm. Big was all on that album. So you gotta, you know, I be looking at that shit like, hmm, oh, New York like Andre, but they don't like him cause he, well, he a little bit too, cause he Savannah, GA. And <laughs> You don't, you don't really, you know, big keep that shit stumped down south all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> y'all don't want to mention him, but he on every goddamn record. Every right. one That's bias. So yeah. if you going to play bias and act like you don't see, I can play bias and I don't see you. Yeah. No, nah, that's that's um, <laughs> them, them, them facts, man. You know, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, like. A lot. I, I think maybe the the, the higher the, the people from up north might not be able to understand the way Big Boy kicking it because he kicking it all the way down bottom. Hey, hey, but yeah. don't mean he ain't kicking it. Hey, folk, he was on Hey Y'all. I mean, he was on uh, the whole world. Yeah, he was on yeah. me Jackson. <laughs> I mean, Roses. Hey, hey, bro, you can go Everything. back and look at them years, bro. Every time they drop, we drop. Who sold the most? It wasn't, it, we, we weren't rapping on samples. All that shit was from scratch. Everybody else was using lyrics, other people, all, they, all kind of stuff to make hit records. <laughs> yeah, ghost writers we ain't <laughs> know about. Do you, do you like, feel that Jay-Z stole? No, I don't, feel like, I don't feel like Jay did nothing. I feel like that that's, that's always been hip hop, but I'm just saying when you look over here in our pot, you cook it up your gumbo from we scratch. ain't got, we ain't using no reference tracks, <sighs> we ain't got no ghost writers, <sighs> and we ain't produced and wrote worldwide smashes. So, who Gumbo. you talking to? Come on. <laughs> Gumbo straight out the pot, baby. Come on now. Come on. Gumbo straight out the pot. <laughs> I'll talk about that. They, 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 they going to cut the potatoes up and everything. Yeah. Put the peas in there. <laughs> season in. Come on now. Come on. That's <laughs> straight Gumbo, and, that, and, and I think that's the reason why me and James' album is so dope right now because you got Queens, New York, and you got East Point together. Hey, man, both them the underdogs. Queen's the underdog in New York, baby. That's Come a on, fact. man. That's it's a fact. the underdog. So <laughs> when you put two underdogs together, you don't get nothing but a great play. You're right. Yeah. No, nah, you're right. Yeah. Why, why, why? <laughs> and I hate to harp on Hove, but why, why do you feel that if Biggie and Pac hadn't, well, Biggie had never been killed, that Jay-Z would have never married Beyonce and been as big as he was? I don't think it would have been a married Beyonce because I just think that the opportunity was there, shit. You the biggest rapper, she the biggest girl, man. I got the baddest chick in, my in the game wearing my chain, you know, like, you was that guy. Like, yeah. I can't I can't get mad at that, man. You that guy, man. You, you did it. You turned Rockefeller into, you and Dame and Biggs, y'all did y'all thing with Rockefeller, you know what I mean? Then when you brought the dip sets on, that started a whole new trend in New York. And then, shoot, you left and did more stuff. And then you got to give him the stuff he did with R. Kelly. He did so much. Mm. 
You know what I mean? So I never neglect the true artist, and I can't neglect him as being a true artist. He is a great artist. He is a great writer. To be able to say you wrote a song for Dr. Dre and it went, and it's one of his biggest songs, that's an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, nah, man, I give that man everything that, that you're supposed to have because he earned it. Now, when I say who's the best, it's he the best where he from. Yeah. And we the best where we it's from. It's a matter of opinion. Yeah. And, and, got, it's, and, and then I'm going to say it, it's a matter of opinion and it's a matter of just language dialect. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like man, you got the facts to back it, man. You, you know what I mean? Like, like, like you got the numbers to we, back it. We, we, we talk, we talk different. So, I'm telling you that I understand that you feel a certain type of way, but I'm telling you the true Atlanta dude in those times did not listen to a lot of New York music. When you was over here in College Park, over there on the West Side. Over there on the east side, Gresham Road, they didn't listen to that, bro. Mm. So, you know what I mean? Like, you can want to feel like your music was that big. Anybody can. But all I'm saying was the only rapper that I knew that that, that, that blew, this, blew the South away was 50 Cent. Mm. That was the only, because he sounded like us when he talked. Yeah. We in the club. It, he sounded like us, and his records were way more accepted in the strip club. Mm-hmm. That's just what it—the sound of them. They were way more accepted. Girls danced to Fifty Cent records, yeah, but they didn't dance to your records like that in the strip club. So oh, man, they were playing you, wankster. You was, you was, you was, you was hot in one twelve. You was hot in the club where you know where New York was over there. You know a puffy situation. Mm-hmm. Or uh, 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 Alex them parties because you got enough New Yorkers in town in the party where you could play your records and it's jamming. Mm-hmm. But when you left out of there with the Magic City, come on, no, that's why. And I prove the fact that Fifty Cent was so hot because why did BMF go and get three, four buses and follow Fifty Cent tour? Cause he was that hot. Period. <laughs> Shouts out to Fifty man. Shouts out to Fifty man. Let's go to the let's go let's go to the West Coast now. Um, your brother corrupt. He said yeah, that's where y'all had uh, y'all had initially met. Yeah, he dropped the album mm-hmm. for a song called "Calling Out Names," mm-hmm. and nobody responded. Mm-hmm. Not DMX, not Fifty, not Ja Rule, not Irv Gotti, not Nas, not Foxy Brown, not AZ or Nelly. You think they were scared to respond? <laughs> yeah, you thought that was good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to tie it together, baby. I'm going to tie it together. He's like, man, where this school to get this stuff from? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we talked about this not long ago, too. Okay. And he said that uh, he had a conversation with Dr. Dre. And Dr. Dre said that his album would have went platinum if he hadn't put that song on his album. Mm. So... Basically, Dr. Dre said, uh, let him know that, oh, you a black ball out of New York for doing that. <laughs> so where you could have won them over just by your rapping skills that they do mess with Philly, mm-hmm. and that's documented, you really could have been a bigger rapper than Snoop in New York if you had not played that card. Wow. You know what I mean? So those are the type of things that happen that sometimes your OGs have to just remind you of where you fucked up at. 
You know what I mean? So for him to tell me that, I knew that he was like, damn, you know, if I had thought about it, I could have held that or would have kept that off my album and just did that on the side. You know what I mean? Because it would have probably helped your record sales a lot better and you would have been stronger as a solo artist. Yeah. I agree with that. Sometimes you got to know which, which, which battle to fight. Yeah. But also, too, like, I mean, you know, people forget Corrupt is one of the best on the mic. Lyrically. Lyrically, sure. period. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of people weren't trying to see him on that that element either. Hmm. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, yeah, he, Corrupt. He's impression now. Corrupt is that dude. Yeah. Well, that's not Corrupt, man. Yeah. Told you. Nobody still ain't responding. <laughs> no, they, they're not Young cause, Gotti. Because he, he one of the best, man. Like yeah. lyrically, he ain't, he ain't, he ain't, yeah. he ain't really. You can't really just act like you could just dog him out. Like he, he could be, he, he, he could have the possibility of beating anybody you put him up against on the right yeah. day. Yeah, because he that that's what he do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So let's move down bottom. Let's move down to the south. You know, all this New York business. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, what is your disdain? for DJ Khaled, and why do you say that he is nothing without T-Pain? It's not I have a disdain for DJ Khaled. I think DJ Khaled is one of the most uh, marketing. He is one of the greatest to ever do it, you know, as far as marketing his material Mm -hmm. and marketing his albums. Yes, he's one of the greatest to do it. You know, I don't have a problem with, with DJ Khaled, I just have a problem when people say artists. Mm-hmm. When you say artists, like it's kind of like, okay, so to me, DJ Khaled will be an extraordinary A and R for a big label. For sure, yeah, out of, out of no question. You know what I mean? But when you say artists, but you don't really produce or write the music, then you equating yourself to a Timlin, a Dallas Austin, a James Worthy, a <laughs> Jermaine Dupree. Hey, man, you got to be hitting them boards. You know what I mean? Like, And, and I'm just like, that's, that, that's tricking the audience. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, you know what I mean? And that's tricking the audience in, in a place yeah. that I fought for, in a place that I, I spent the time. Like, yeah. yeah, it's all cool when you got the money and you got the backing. And you got all that, and you got the artists that go come in and rap on your shit. But if you take all that away, are you still in the building? Hmm. Now, see, that's that's kind of like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, when you say artist, the artist is supposed to be some part or something about him is supposed to show me that he an artist. But... It's a difference between being a great A and R and an artist. Like an artist is never supposed to follow what's going on. A great A and R is always supposed to follow the wave and figure out how to continue the wave. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's done a great job of. Now, if I had five million dollars or something like that to be able to go buy the billboard every time t- five new rappers come out, I could do that too. You know what I mean? Yeah. If everybody had that kind of thing, but guess what? I look at DJ Khaled and I say, yes, he has talent. He has talent of, of what he does. He's the first of his kind of what he does. But me as an artist, I have to say, man, look at what they do in our culture. Look at what they do in our culture. And if you're going to blackball one of the most talented artists to ever come out of Florida, 
T-Pain, and now we have Khaled. And I'm like, okay, well, why ain't nobody turned T-Pain back on? You see what I'm saying? Talent. So, Brown, so groundbreaking. Talent. So I, I, I'm never on the side of the building, man. Like I'm always on the side of the artists. And how artists treat each other, it kind of, kind of like everybody can see it now. So, I, again, I don't have no problem with DJ Khaled, man. He just did a song with I, with Future and everything. Like I don't have no personal problem. I'd be having a personal problem with all the games the industry play and and all the the puppets that they prop up and all the people that they prop up that they running the game through. See, if everybody look at DJ Khaled like he the one that's the one that's controlling this Miami scene, then I don't even know what Miami sound like no more. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Miami sound like no more because you make records for everybody. everybody. You know what I mean? So I'm just saying that if you're going to turn one thing off, you ain't got to turn the other thing off. You know, let, let, don't turn real music off to turn on the machine because that's what you did. <laughs> so He you know, got the machine behind him now. Yeah, that's all. Uh -huh. And the machine I know very well. Yeah. So I know that I know that a lot of things that happens in this music game these days are created situations. And all I'm saying is that the game has become so political, so market so so, so much about m marketing and money and businesses outside. Nobody even talk about the music no more. Come on. Because I know that ain't nobody really making music. Everybody's taking from a whole bunch of producers and writers that you don't know about, and they putting their name on this shit. Mm -hmm. And that's why you will have a song where the artist you think you listening to, but you will hear a, a, a whole nother voice on the track and be like, who is that? Because they bought somebody else's song and left them on there because they couldn't do that part, so they just kept them on there, and then they just put their part in. Is that a real record? Man, that ain't no real record. That's a, That's... That's uh that's mixtape material. That's manufactured. That's yeah. manufactured. Yeah. So that's the reason why I think that uh anytime that they only let one person do something, you ought to know that it's a game. Hmm. Before DJ Khaled, it was DJ Drama. True. Yep. Who did it first? <laughs> Zago. <laughs> so you're an artist an actor an activist whatever you do come to the ugly money podcast and tell your story you can be a special invited guest by texting the number right here let's lock in your interview let's tell the world what you got going on over the past 90 days we've gotten 30 million views on youtube 50 million views on social media sites it's time for the world to know about you so make sure you text this number so you can come on the ugly money podcast and you get to meet china too it's that ugly money. Hey, man. <laughs> the legend is in the house. And I want him to know, man, like, I ain't got no problem with you, cuz. Like, I ain't got no problem with you, shawty. I just got to point out everything in the game that need to be checked for this shit to be right. And if we going to be doing that, okay, if I accept what you doing, then I also got to accept when they put AI, AI artists out here. And now I'm fighting against oh, the yeah. computer. Well, oh, guess yeah. what? This was the goddamn prototype. Mm -hmm. Guess what? This the prototype. 
and you gotta write it, and you gotta produce it. We'll take this, take this, put this out together, buy the billboard, shit, we got a platinum album. TJ Khaled is a prototype for AI artists. <laughs> That's a bar. <laughs> That's a bar. <laughs> I, I mean, mean if, you re- if you really look it at it. Sense. It makes sense. You really look sense. at it. So, yeah. so, I mean, he's basically just putting this together, putting that together, goddamn, and marketing. See, promoting. I would feel better how they describe Khaled. I would feel better if they just refer to him as the executive producer. Right. He ain't an artist. He's not a creative like we are. You know what I mean? So we take offense because we we really in here making this music. And when you and you can look at Puff and say, "Hey, Puff really went in the studio and really did a six million, eight million selling album." You know, like regardless if he didn't write it, he paid for it, but he got it now, <laughs> and he and he got it down. Now yeah. I look at Dr. Dre; he got it now, he got it down. Easy E got in there, got it down. But you can't just say your baby got in there, got down. Whether Wayne around or not, Baby still got songs with the clips. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So actively, Baby still know how to do this. Now, if I could look and I'd be like, well, shit, bro, like, all you doing is saying your name. And shit, bro, like. <laughs> but they calling you an artist. Come on, bro. But they calling you an artist. Like, no, bro. Like, if don't nobody going to say nothing, then I say something. That ain't it. And I, and I know it make money and all that. But guess what, man? When they let that ride, then expect the worst after that. Because now they don't need the artist. They ain't figured out how to put the whole shit together without the artist. And now subcontract everybody from the writers to the demo to the demo artists. Now everybody subcontract, and then they'll put an AI artist in your face that ain't even breathing, talking, or walking. But you buying into it because they... They ain't already ran the game one time on you for five, mm-hmm. ten years. Shit, we can do it again. Mm-hmm. Get a new face. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Let's move forward, man. It's getting hot over there. It's real, though. Hey, man, who do you think going to win in the verses between Jermaine Dupree and P. Diddy? Man, you got to ask <laughs> What do you think? Man, you JD know. versus Diddy, who's winning that versus? Um, you know, that's that's such a diverse uh, between both catalogs, because see, with with Bad Boy, like their whole mo was re- remakes, like mm-hmm. like not really, not even much of sampling. Like they were sampling, but it was more of remake, right? They flipping records, yeah, just flipping records. Right. With with uh, So So Def, their thing was about to me. It was about um, you know original, but I think they were more um, radio friendly, like new, like Bad Boy was more grungy, you know, mm-hmm. more more hip hop. So to me, it's really all about what you grew up on, or mm-hmm. what resonated with you the most. So I really can't say who would win above who because it's just too too broad of sides, you know what I mean. But I would probably say like. I mean, really, look, So So Def could give Bad Boy a run for their money. I, I just, you know, my thing is, how are we just going to act like Jermaine ain't a beast? That's what like, I'm saying. How we just going to overlook all these records? I can't say that he that he wouldn't. Yeah, like, I mean, give it. Now, Diddy is who he is. Diddy is definitely who he is. But are we just going to, how are we just going to act like JD is just going to just tuck his tail and run? I'm just trying to figure, if you look at just the numbers, like, 
who did he got to go up? What he got to go up against a Bow Wow? <laughs> okay, that's one. That's one thing. Yeah. Or Mariah. Well, he got to go up against Mariah Carey. Jagged. He got, he got jagged and escape. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, and and you do have total and one twelve. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you got you got some comeback. Yeah. But in the longevity, where you Janet Jackson record at? You know what I mean? Like, 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 come on now, like, like, and then I'm like, okay, JD just got a number one word, Ari Lennox. Okay, that's new, and that's a new artist mm-hmm. again. How many artists has this man brought to the game and has really become something? Now, I just know Puffy to be Puffy. Bad boy, damn near, it's bad boy. It's him. So at the end of the day, I'm just like, uh, I don't know if you got enough records outside of what you really do. You know what I mean? Like, uh, how many big records can you use against him? And I don't know. You don't have a Bow Wow. The man's still out here doing worldwide concerts. That's <laughs> 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 Bow Wow. Like, like, so I mean, he, shoot, he and, hit him and, with crisscross. And, and, right. and then you still have crisscross. <laughs> like, the first group I seen on what, what was the name of that show? The Millionaire Show, where they sat down with the old, oh man. Who wants to be a millionaire? No, it used to be this show about, it was like this old man that used to, he, it was all about fabulous. Elaborate Las Vegas oh, life. Oh, it was um, you remember lifestyles of the rich and famous. Lifestyle. Oh yeah, yeah. Understand, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was on that show with Criss Cross when they went on tour with Michael Jackson. So I'm just like, bruh, like, if, if, if how how do you beat him? Like jump, I mean, jump, everybody. I mean, a lot of people don't even realize like JD was one of the first people to bring in Ye for sure to the industry. Wow, like. Kanye produced for Jermaine Dupree. Hmm. That was his first placement before he got to Rockefeller. And we were damn near second because he produced on our third album. That's when he, he Kanye did Goody Mob's record in Jimmy Hensman's studio mm-hmm. in New York. That's how I met. And D-Dot hooked that up. How was Kanye back then? Was he, was he? Was he always Kanye or was he was he, he was, was he, he was just version. like a college kid with Demar Brown? Okay. You remember like the college kids Demar Brown you had a little you know yeah. polo with the thing yeah. over their thing, you know what I mean? Everybody out on the block. You know, he was just like <laughs> a cool college kid that that, that was in the hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. And he could rap. And he had confidence in his rap. Yeah. Even you know if what nobody mean? else liked If nobody else liked it. Liked it. Yeah. Like like he was he was still <laughs> him, you yeah. know what I mean? So um I got to really have my first real conversation f- with him. Uh, one time, uh, Dane Dash was like, Gibby, man, come see me at the crib. I get to the crib. That w- the dude from off MTV, Tom Green, that white dude was there, and Heavy D was there, and Kanye was there, and uh, Stacey Dash. And I remember that was the first time I got to really sit down with him and talk to him. And he was just cool. He was yeah. just, he, it, this before he understood exactly who he was, but you could tell that he wanted to be somebody. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, uh, Kanye definitely was one of his biggest fans for himself when he, oh, but yeah. you know, I, 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 I love the fact that he was so confident and he was, he seemed like he was so self-assured. 
Because he was smart. And he still is. He was smart. He still is. He was book like, smart. Yeah. Like, I've been on tour with Ye. Like, yeah. I, I see the man's work ethic. Like, I mean, I ain't really see nobody really top him, to be honest with you. Like, he made me go harder. You know what I mean? Because, see, one thing about him, he he's a true creative. Like, like it's bigger than music. Like, it's... it's he trying to change everything. Yeah, like, he's trying to change everything and build and, and build and build and build. And, you know, even on the music side, like, I ain't never seen no artist build, build their own stage show. Like, from top to bottom, from, from what you see, what the actual stage is, to what the aesthetics are around the arena, and, mm-hmm. and what camera angles you're going to see him at, and how he going to come up and present himself before the show starts. Like, I ain't never seen no artist do that. Mm-hmm. Very particular. Yeah. So, me seeing that and, and understanding how his brain work and how he create, I ain't, I ain't seen it. Shouts out to you. You think yeah. that's why he's like so misunderstood? Is it is it the genius level of talent that makes him kind of socially awkward at times? No, it's just that he just realized that he black. <laughs> <laughs> I think that he just been hit in the in the face with the reality is I don't give a damn what you do. You can't change that skin color, man. And I don't care how many friends or how how you go, it's still gonna be some folks in that room that don't fuck with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that he just had it in his mind that I'm gonna be the the rap Michael Jackson. <laughs> but even Mike was rejected once he rejected goddamn the puppeteer. Yeah. Yeah. They turned they turned the greatest artist into the world where he just a child molester and this, that, and the other. As soon as you yeah. go against what these people say, yeah. then you know. As soon as you go against the machine, they they're gonna do everything they can to 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 tear you down. That's scary, man. Yeah, it is scary. Even cap, man. That's scary as hell. That's the, that's the other part that that makes certain artists walk away. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because it's like, you know, some people be like, yo, man, where these folk at? Where these folk at? Yo, man, where these folk from? The-? Everybody wasn't built for this shit, bro. Mm. Even though they probably was with us in the beginning and they got a good start, a good budget for a first album but when they got out here it was almost like wow like the politics of this shit certain people ain't people people <laughs> you know what I mean like That's certain true. people they rap because they want to they do this because they want to but once the business once it turned into business get up in the morning we're gonna have to go see these folk go through the goddamn record pool and then hit the eight o'clock show them folk like, man, look, I right, go back to the black smoke reef, man. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. the south side and the west side, some of them that were with us, they just ain't cut out for the politics of the business. They yeah. might be great artists. There's a lot of great artists out here that will straight tell you, man, I do music for fun, man. I can't deal with the industry. Yeah. yeah. You know That's what I mean? You, you once said that um, the music industry will make an intelligent man bitter. And an ignorant man, rich. Look around. Look around at all the stars today. Look at what they look like. Look at how they present themselves. Look how much money these folk give them. Now, when we was out here trying to represent hip-hop at its highest levels, from what Puff was doing and Bad Boy, I'm trying to go into fashion, be a fashion line. D-Boy down here trying to goddamn uplift people, bring people to it was almost like, uh. So you gotta understand that once you have created 
certain type of records, and now you see that people and change this shit. In, it's like this streaming shit turned into crack. It's like the new crack game, cause you, <laughs> and the reason why it's the new crack game is because we ain't gonna really understand this shit for ten years down the line, and then already made four, five hundred million dollars off of us. It's like, don't you realize that every time you had the big boom of the '90s, the emergence of the West Coast, the emergence of New York, the emergence of the South, and then all of a sudden it was like they were like, hold on, folks, too many niggas getting rich, bro. Hold on, man, too much power out here, man. If, if if 20, 25 more of them get on, then they don't need us no more. So when you do hear stories of, yo, it was a meeting, and they were going to all get together, and then all of a sudden everybody started getting hit by the feds. It, it, it just tells you what it is, bro. Like, mm -hmm. music, this, the music game is long sharking, which turns it into gangster. Because whoever pays for the studio owns the material. That's who on the record. But most artists don't know that till it's too late. Mm -hmm. And that's when the gangster shit starts. Amen <laughs> 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 hey to that, brother. Amen <laughs> <laughs> hey to that. That's real. Hey, you see, um, you said a little baby. You think little baby gonna get a hundred M's? He gonna he gonna he probably already touching. Yeah, yeah I think he probably there. He so, probably already touching yeah. shit. Yeah. Future already touching. It's just so many ways for these guys to get money so fast. And then on this, see the greatest thing about this thing that we looking at right now, you can make so much money, but at the same time, you can make money faster, but your career burn out faster. Mm -hmm. So. When it used to be a time that you had to keep growing and growing and growing to get into these levels and audience, now if your record reaches a certain place, they just go ahead and throw it up on the ceiling. Now everybody in the world can consume you like a product. <laughs> now once they finish with you, it's no time for growth. We're done. Mm -hmm. So that's where I feel like what we had, you know, a couple of albums to really get it right. They only got a year and a half to get it right. And if you don't understand the business, oh shit, they raped you and, and it's <laughs> over with. <laughs> and then the other part is that signing a 360 deal. See, this, this is why it's such a, a, a separation between older artists and younger artists is because the actual industry don't want us talking because they don't want us to put in the ear of the younger guy, don't sell yourself like that. Don't sell your voice like that. Don't sell your likeness like that. If you sell it, understand that you become commercial property. <laughs> if you don't pay that loan back, that means that they own your face and your voice for the rest of your life. Now, if that's a contract you want to sign, that's cool. But me as an OG, I'm supposed to say that. But we have a lot of OGs out here that's they playing on their side. They still playing the game. They playing on their side. So they showing up in town. Hey, man, who you with? Oh, you with them? Oh, uh, dang. I can offer you something better. Shit, come mess with me. I'm going to give you three, four million dollars, move you out of state. Man, these folk can't even touch you. And I'm going to put the best lawyers around you. But, but look at that. That's almost like cattle, ain't it? That's almost like an auction block, ain't it? I'm just going to come to your town, find out who the best man is, pay him more money than anybody around here got, and now I own him. Mm -hmm. Sounds like slavery. 
Hey man. And then they'll call me. And then the same people that I just bought, they'll call me King Forever. Mm -hmm. Hey man. (laughs) We ain't ain't gonna take them too far. (laughs) We went over a lot of y'all heads. (laughs) We just went over a lot of y'all heads, man. I got I got I got one quick one more question before we get up out of here, man, because I know y'all gotta y'all busy pushing this project, man. Um Gip, what do you think hip hop would look like had Pac not passed? I don't know because I think his death created so many more. It would, his plan was to be like his plan was to be was to be the blueprint, you know. Like anybody who knew him back then, Daz, corrupt, quick. Anybody who knew him back then just knew he just always he lived like he knew he was gonna get assassinated. Mm. He lived like he was Malcolm X. He lived like he was King, because he felt he felt like he understood who he, who he was talking to. Everybody else didn't. That's what made him such a threat, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. that's the difference. Is that Pac was willing to give his life for hip hop, cause he wouldn't turn down. You know what I mean? Say <laughs> <laughs> so he was turned down. Man. <laughs> he he was turned down, man. And you know, real martyrs and people who've been built like that, they know what their purpose is. That's the greatest thing about anything is just to understand your purpose in life. You know, and I think he, his death, pushed the industry forward. Yeah. Big's death pushed the industry forward. Big was the first example that a big man could be sexy and a big man could be fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sell some records. And he did that. And if you look at it, Pac and Big is the example of what the industry's been chasing since they've been gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, what Kylie don't got, they still know he, he can sell. <laughs> big man sell, man. Right, the right equipment, the right look. Big man gonna get. He got fans. Hey man, man, James, where they gonna take me back in the studio, man? We gonna work on something. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, hey look, <laughs> we, we can up. make it happen. Hey, I, I, I'm gonna get on the track. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna I'm rap. I'm gonna rap. <laughs> <laughs> we can make it happen. <laughs> hey man, before we get out of here, man, let us know what you got coming up. Let them know where to follow you at, and uh, you know where to get this project and uh, and all that. Yeah, man, uh, Gippin' Worthy. Out available everywhere. All your streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Title, whatever you got, it's available. Five song EP, uh, guest appearance by 112 on there. Let us know what your favorite record is. Um, you can find me all social media, King James Worthy. Um, yeah, man, keep following us. We got TV shows, movies coming out this year. Uh, we going on tour, um, et cetera, man. Holla at us. Yay. They call me Gip, man. You can find me at Gip Good Everywhere. For everybody listening, man, I hope you enjoyed yourself. And, oh, uh, man, classic. I really never, ever mean to hurt nobody's feelings. I only mean to just open people's eyes to other ways of thinking. 
And there it is, brother. I appreciate both of y'all, man. Listen, you can follow me at Ugly Money Nietzsche. That's Ugly Money N-I-C-H-E. This episode is being brought to you by Engorge Rejuvenation Team, promoting directions, stamina, size, libido. Go to Engorge.com. That's E-N-G-O-R-G to get yours today. All natural male supplement owned by a black man. All right, man. Remember, the bigger the dream, the bigger the risk, the bigger the payoff. This has been the Ugly Money Podcast with James Worthy and Big Gil. Yeah.